0: name. Praise the Lord. Thank you team for bringing it to the house. You always give your best and we thank you today. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Oh, i tell you, I want to join that choir. Don't you? You can do it from there. I think they'd have prefer me doing it from there too. (laughs) Oh, thank you for being here today in person and in the house. Did you swim? Did you have a boat? How did you get here? I kind of hydroplaned. (laughs) It's amazing, this weather. I think maybe we're having a little bit of a break right now because it's not pouring down on our heads too loud. But my goodness, it's done all day and all night, and I think it's going to go all week. I think we want to be mindful to pray for those that are in the flood-prone areas. We want to pray for our SES and others that are helping, and we'll do that in just a moment. Uh, Pastor Jack will be back on Sunday, or he'll be back actually on Thursday this week. Um, No, Friday, and uh, he has been uh, in Europe hiking with our daughter, Carissa, and her husband, Ryan, and they completed uh, today the Tour Mont Blanc, which is a walk around from France into into Italy and into Switzerland and back into France. And so it's been a, an ambition and a desire, and that hiking man of mine, who will be 70 years old this year, said he lost two years of hiking with COVID, so he just had to go do it. They invited him, and he was a part of that. So they've had a great time. They've been safe and well, and he'll be back with us soon. This uh, past week, we had our Heart for, Your, for Heart for His House offering, and I believe the... Envelopes are still available and QR codes, giving codes are on your seat. I don't have the exact total, maybe Robert can fill us in later, that was received, but we have several projects that we want to achieve this year for this house, for this actual physical building and improvements that we can make that will benefit the family of God and those who are yet to come. And so we just appreciate your giving and ask if you haven't given that you'll give some attention to that and just pray and ask the Lord what he might have you to give. So as we begin today, let's just begin in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you that you are truly here with us. I thank you, Lord, that your hand is on us. Lord, I pray for your grace upon our city and our region, Father, I pray as the waters are rising and continue to rise, Lord, we pray for safety. We pray for help from the Lord. We pray for um, preservation of property and of life and all, th- all that really truly matters. Lord, we pray for SES and those that are, are working hard. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just strengthen them. You would help them. You would protect them. And, Lord, we now turn ourselves to your word. We pay attention to what you have to say to us today. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will speak mightily to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, you need to reset that clock because I took those many minutes to just say hello. That's not fair. (laughs) Just saying, okay? So just take it back. (laughs) I'm going to continue in our, our theme of courage culture. And my title for the message today is, What Could Hold You Back? When we have encountered, there's a teaching that we um, uh, name, What Could Keep You Bound? Today I'm going to ask the question, What Could Hold You Back? And we're going to ask those questions of ourselves. We're going to also ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And we're going to pause for prayer as we look at each of these things. There's obstacles in our way, and we're going to try to identify some of those obstacles that keep us from making the spiritual progress that God wants us to to make. It takes courage to go and possess the land and enter the promised land, as we'll see illustrated in the life of the Israelites. And God had the Israelites in the wilderness after the Exodus, and it was his will to transition them from being warriors and wanderers to become worshipers and to become warriors that could take the land. And there's a progression that we're supposed to have. We leave our life of sin and wandering aimlessly. And we come to a place where God works in our life. And we become worshipers of Almighty God and serve him with all our heart. And we become the warriors that will take possession, will pursue the things of the kingdom of God and take the land for him and for his glory. So they faced hardship. They faced things that were definite threats and things that you could say were fearful, especially from the inhabitants of the land that weren't prepared to leave. And so they were obstacles that were physical, and we face them too as well. We face things in our in our life, maybe they be physical problems or other things, but often the greatest obstacles are the ones within our own hearts. Those are the hidden things. Those are the things nobody else sees or knows, but God knows, and we know them. And we find that Israel caved in in the most critical moments of when they were supposed to go forward, they went backward and so we can find some strength in knowing that that's a warning there's there's something that we should know that when it gets tough we need to keep going we need to persevere we need to press on through too many times they reacted in fear and that led to their disobedience and failure to carry out the plans of God and to possess what God had for them So we come to Deuteronomy chapter 1. These days not many people bring Bibles to church, but if you're at home and you have a Bible, maybe you would like to pick it up, or if you have one here, uh, or it's on your phone or something like that, I find it's really helpful to look at the text while we talk, and we're going to stay in Deuteronomy chapter 1 for most of what we're saying. And sometimes God will just sneak in an extra thought to you. As you look at his word, you'll find your eyes fixing on something, going, oh, that's speaking to me right now. So let's give a chance for the Holy Spirit to work in that way. So Deuteronomy means the retelling, and it's a retelling of the law of God and all that happened to Israel In the wilderness. It was Moses' last words, the things that he brought to the people of God before they were to come into the Promised Land. They were situated at the north end of the Dead Sea on the other side of Jordan in the land of Moab, and the Promised Land was in sight. Up Mount Nebo, which is now in Jordan, you can stand on that mountain, and if it's a clear day, you can see into the land. So, this is where they were in that land and getting ready to go. And this repetition of the law, this repeating of the law was for the benefit of the generation that was born in the 40 years of their wandering. They had no recollection of the miracle hand of God. They did not see the Passover. They did not see the Red Sea open. Just a few, a handful remained. Moses was one of them. Joshua was another. And so was Caleb. But very few others knew anything of what God had done, and so they needed to hear. They had to have the whole thing told. You know when you get older, you just keep telling the stories over again? Well, there's value in retelling some stories, especially when it comes to talking about what God has done for you. And so this retelling was the generations, the new generation's Knowledge of the previous generation's experience and they knew their heritage. They knew what they were built upon. They knew what God had done and now what God was about to do. They needed to hear all of that. So they had a real test of their courage and a test for our courage is will we follow on in faith? Will we be courageous in the midst of obstacles that would oppose us? Moses began to explain to them, and I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. What was this mountain? Well, Mount Horeb, or more commonly known, is Mount Sinai. And that's where God made himself known to Moses. The great I am revealed himself in the burning bush and told him that he was to bring the people back to that place. And so all of the events of the exodus and all the plagues and the miracles and so forth now brought them back to Sinai. And this is what he recalled And this is the the route that they took down to Sinai. They could have left Egypt and gone the military route straight up into Canaan, but they would have been right into the face of enemies. And so they needed some time to learn, to grow, and we'll talk about some of that in just a moment. And so they veered south into the Sinai, which seems like going in the opposite direction. Sometimes God leads us in ways that may seem like the opposite direction but it's really his direction, and it's his protection to grow us and to get us ready to possess what we're supposed to possess. And so now the time had come where they're supposed to move out. Moses is retelling, recalling what happened there, and now they were at Moab getting ready to go into the promised land, and there was some things that happened in between that first occasion at Sinai and their occasion to be crossing into the promised land and it was like 40 years of wandering and we're going to talk about why that happened so many times the things that held them back were actually the choices they made when they were supposed to make a decision to move forward they moved backward we need to learn from their example and continue to make the spiritual progress that God will have us to do so the first thing we read in this uh, verse is this mountain long enough What could hold you back? Well, sometimes we overextend the time that we are supposed to be learning, growing, and whatever, and we fail to move out and possess what God has for us to do. How long is long enough? Well, in God's mind, as I've read up the background of this, it was three months, one year and three months, since they left Egypt, and there they were at Sinai. One year and three months was in God's mind, enough time. But instead, it took 40 years. There's a big difference, isn't it? And I wonder what's in God's mind for me and for you. How much is enough? What is long enough? Sometimes we extend that out. I was uh, on the FaceTime the other night to um, my Joe in Canberra, And the kids kept popping in the room where she was FaceTiming. They were supposed to be in bed, you see. They kept extending that. But mom this, but mommy this, but mommy that. They were extending that time. It was too long. They were supposed to be in bed. Sometimes it's too long. We're extending things on. So God had in his mind that it was enough time. Now, Sinai was very significant. It was significant to Moses and it was to the children of Israel. But they weren't supposed to stay there. It was meant to be a temporary location. It was to become a proving ground where God would work in them and prove their commitment and enter into covenant. At Sinai, the Israelites were prepared for Canaan by, first of all, learning God's ways and receiving his laws. And second, they entered into covenant with God. And thirdly, they built the tabernacle for them to worship on the way and once they entered into the promised land. And it trained the people and the Levites in how they were supposed to act and what they were required of them to do. And it organized the people into units, into their tribes, because before that time they were just a mass of people. And so they needed to be organized so that they could move out in battle, so they could break camp and make camp and all the things they needed to do. So all these things happened in that year at Sinai, but now it was time to move out. God said, it's long enough so, what is your long enough? We're going to ask some questions of ourselves today. We're going to pray and we're going to ask some questions of the Holy Spirit and he'll speak to us. Maybe already as I'm, I'm speaking, God is speaking and he's saying some things to you. So would you close your eyes for just a moment and let me just read out some thoughts to you and would you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and guide your heart? First of all, Where is it that you have dwelt long enough? And do you sense a nudge from the Holy Spirit that it's time to move? Perhaps it's your comfort zone or your convenience zone. It might seem like procrastination or disorganization, but maybe there's a deeper basis that you haven't moved forward in. Perhaps it's a fear of the unknown Maybe it's a fear of facing the hard work and that deters you from moving forward. It's easier just to stay put. What unwanted patterns are constantly repeated in your life or ministry? Is something arising in your heart right now that says, enough is enough? This must change. I must move forward. God is speaking. Let's ask Him, Holy Spirit, what is enough? Lord, would you just speak to our hearts right now as we wait before you? The second thing that God brought to my attention about Israelites and and the things that were keeping them back and the things that could hold me back and could hold you back is the word focus. Sometimes we lack focus and we don't see what God sees. We need to see as God sees. We need to view our life from beginning to end as he sees it and the things that we're to do during our lifetime on the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. See, I have set the land before you. And sometimes we fail to advance spiritually because we're distracted by so many things. Life is busy, life is full. Even when we were in lockdown, didn't you stay busy? You're just busy, we're just busy, busy, busy with so many other things and we fail to focus. And so the first direction is to see, to actually focus. That's the first step in actually advancing is to see where it is we're supposed to go and what it is we're supposed to do. And we must answer the question for ourselves and before God, what is really important? What is really important? In the scheme of things, what matters most? Well, what springs to mind, of course, is the story of Martha and Mary, and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was responsible for everything. Maybe you feel like her. I am responsible for everything. If it's going to get done, it's on me. And because of that, that has become a pervasiveness in your in your heart that you probably are bearing more responsibility than you actually need. You're a good person. You're a responsible person. Martha was a good person. She was a responsible woman. She was, she was not some nasty, complaining lady. She was a good woman, but she was distracted in her focus because Jesus, the Son of God, was in their midst that day, and I don't know if he would visit a time again in the future. It was just a short time with him. What... What is in your immediate view that you need to be focusing on and paying attention to? We read that in Luke chapter 10. So much to do. We have to make choices between what is the good and what is the best thing and let the distractions go. There's good things around us. We know that the parable of the sower talks about the good seed of the word of God that was cast out on, that's how they would sow. They would just do this casting kind of sowing rather than putting little, you know, seeds down in a row like modern machinery does these days. They would just throw it out, and it would sometimes fall on good soil and not so good soil. Is your heart good soil today? Because God's word is always good. It's no problem with the seed, but there can be a problem with the soil. And in this parable, and we won't take the time to read it, but it says in verse 14 of Luke chapter 8, Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. So they can be innocent distractions that monopolize our time, and then we find we haven't really gone anywhere or done anything or pursued what it is God puts before us. I make lists every single day of my life. Do you think I ever finish everything on that list? I've been doing that for years. It never happens. I'll just read a story about an old farmer. Maybe you identify with this. One morning, the old farmer decided to plow the south 40 acres. His tractor needed oil, so he started for the barn to get it. On the way, he noticed that the pigs had not been fed. Near the corn crib was a pile of sacks, reminding him that the potatoes were sprouting. On his way to the potato pit, he passed the wood pile and remembered that the kitchen stove was burning low. While picking up wood, he saw that one of his chickens was ailing, so he dropped the wood to doctor the chicken. So it went till the end of the day, and he still had not oiled the tractor or plowed the south field. Do you have days like that? That's how my brain works. I looked at that and I thought, I'm not a farmer, but I exactly do that. From this thing to that thing to that thing and you never really get going with what you're wanting to do. So let's ask the Holy Spirit these questions. Let's close our eyes again. Lord, what do you want me to focus on right now? What do I need to see that I'm not seeing? What is it that I'm focusing on instead? And what has distracted me? Maybe you're like Martha and you have a whole lot of responsibility and you have, in error, but in good heart, transferred the responsibility for everything and everyone upon yourself. Today it's a time to let go of some of that so that you can choose the best and not just the good. Holy Spirit, what needs to be my focus and my priority Help me to see what you see for my life. Open my eyes. Increase my understanding and help me know what is truly important. Help me to see. Amen. So what could hold you back? Could be the thing that you've been long enough at, stayed too long. Could be a lack of focus and not seeing what you need to see. But the third thing is about possessing the land. And do you know that's easier said than done? Isn't it great to read about things in the Bible and all the heroes of faith, and then we have our own story, we have our own situation, and then the rubber meets the road, and it becomes very, very real, and we go, ah, I don't know if I can do this. It becomes hard. So we have to be emotionally and spiritually prepared to possess the land. And they'll put up Deuteronomy 1, verses 19 through 21 on the screen. We won't read all of that, but we'll read 21. It says, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. We have to go up and possess the land. And in the Western world, do you know our faith can kind of lean to Um, theoretical faith for lack of better word where we know it in our heads and we hold it precious in our heart but it doesn't get worked out in our lives have you been in that place that is a place of spiritual stagnation that is a place where we just stop short of possessing the land because it doesn't become reality in our everyday life so we have to be prepared to possess the land and how do we do that we do that by making the decision to go forward and believe and act on what we believe. A prayer that I have found myself praying lately is not, Jesus, I believe in you, because that's a little bit one distance, one arm length distance to me in my mind and in my emotions. But I say, Jesus, I believe you. I don't believe just in the theory of Jesus and who he is in the words of scripture, but I believe in Jesus who's right here with me and within me and helping me. Jesus, I believe you. This is how we possess what we're supposed to possess, that we go with real faith, faith that is um, not just tried in a furnace, but faith that is real because of intimacy with God, faith because you know him, you know you can trust him, Jesus, I believe you. So we don't want to just have a set of beliefs that's just reduced to just that. We want to have a real belief that lives in our, in our practice. And when we are faced with discouraging circumstances, as this last verse uh, phrase of the verse says, do not fear or be discouraged. There is a real correlation between fear and and discouragement. And in between the fear is a constant amount of decisions and holding backs and disappointments and disillusionments and other things along the way. So the the space between fear and discouragement might be big, but it's filled with the clutter of all these things that make up an emotional minefield that we have to work through. So resilience is a word that really comes to mind. And since we're recovering now, living in a post, hopefully post-COVID world, a lot of people are asking the question, why do I still not feel right? What is wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? It's not physical. It's emotional. It's a lethargy. It's a something over me that I just cannot describe. Can I just encourage you to deep dive into the spirit of God in his presence. That's where resilience is found. That's where strength comes to our inner man as Ephesians chapter three teaches us. This is where we find healing and we find wholeness for ourselves. And it's not out there, it's right here. It's right here in his presence. Can I encourage you to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will help you in your hurts. He will release you from the heaviness that you're feeling. Oh my goodness, could we not be in a more depressing day today than the rain that's pouring down on our heads to be talking about this thing? This is real. This is where we live. This is what we have to conquer. Find restoration. Everyone from Genesis to Jesus found refreshing and restoring in the presence of God. So let's find that too. That's where we heal. This is where we need to, before we advance, we need to take time to retreat in the sense that we go to be with the Lord. Not that we hold back and run in fear, but we go to be with the Lord where our strength is and where our help is, and so that we can boldly stand and say, I will go possess. So let's just pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us right now. Jesus, I want to fight the good fight of faith. Right now, I'm battle-weary. Please minister to my heart right now and bring healing where I'm hurting. Refresh my heart. Renew my spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit's power. Help me not to fear or be discouraged. Keep me from the things that distract and keep me off of your plan for my life. I pray your help now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And finally, number four, is we need to resist fear. Do you know fear is actually real? We're not talking about something that doesn't exist. When we, We're not in denial when we're creating a courage culture. We're talking about fearless means the choice not to fear. Not that it doesn't ever happen because we get afraid of things every day. Stuff happens in our life. I had a few frights this week, I won't take time to say, but I had a few this week and I went, oh my gosh, that was so close. What a thing could have happened to me. And so it's real in our lives, but the choice we make, whether it's going to dominate our lives, this is what we need to talk about. Sometimes fear can paralyze us and keep us from moving forward. Fear will help us, Will not help us at all. Fear will cause us to make irrational decisions and think wrong thoughts about God and about ourselves and about other people. It's a blinding thing, fear is, and it's, it's the thing that we need less of in our life. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I didn't even know they came up. Did you hear that? <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verses 22 through 28. We don't have time to read all of that right now, as the music just told me. (laughs) But I will refer to it. There are opposing forces, and and in Israelites' experience, they came to the valley of Eshkel. They found that it was a good land. It was a report that they should go to that land, take that land, and there was an agreement until they saw the other things that were in their way. I want to read verse 26. It says, Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt and delivered us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. You see how fear has twisted their thinking there? The Lord hates us. He's brought us to this terrible place. His plan was just to bring us all out so he could destroy us. How far off the plan of God was that for their lives? So we can fear the opposing forces rather than fear God as we're supposed to do. So quickly, some consequences to the fear that we might have. I don't think we should feel condemned for fearing but we should be alert to the fact that if this has dominated our life, it's time to deal with it and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Give us the power to overcome our fears. So the consequences that Israel experienced in their uh, situation, and that's contained in these verses that I just mentioned, was their refusal to obey. And it morphed into a fear that brought an open rebellion. It was like No way are we going to do this. And they just turned tail and ran. Deuteronomy 126. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And self-preservation is at the, the core of all this type of fear. The fear of change, the risk to self, the fear of actual real danger. That's there. But you know, every great thing that someone has done for God has been often done in the face of fear. I think about Esther going before the king, waiting and hoping he would hold out his scepter, but her thought beforehand, before she ever went in, was, if I perish, I perish. Because her life did not mean enough to her that she would have all of her people, her fellow Jews, slaughtered because of a crazy, unrighteous edict that had gone. So we cannot afford to refuse the and we cannot afford and refuse to obey the word of God. We have to obey him. Second consequence of fear that was mentioned in these verses is the complaining in the tents. This is so important. Complaining in in the tents comes down to the word ingratitude. And it's the blame game, and we use that to justify ourselves. Deuteronomy 127, and you complained in your tents. Complaining in the tents is those secret conversations we have within our hearts and in our minds. This is where we justify ourselves and we push away the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We excuse ourselves, blaming other people, even blaming God. And we entertain false thoughts about God. And we are even prone to attack the character of God himself. They said, it's because the Lord hates us. Have you ever felt like that? Don't don't raise your hand. (laughs) But you wonder, have I lost God's favor? Does he not love me? And they went so far as to say it's because he hates us and he wants to to destroy us. And if we leave those thoughts unchecked, they will just come and boil up with inside of us and cause all kinds of trouble and problems. And if we leak out those thoughts and say them out loud they would infect others and and also discourage them and complaining in the tense is just a downward spiral and it just promotes ingratitude and you fail to see how good God is you forget how good God is in Numbers 21 verse 4 and 5 it says the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way and they spoke against God and against Moses and in the wilderness, and they said, for there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. That bread that fed them and sustained them for 40 years, they now loathed it and called it worthless. It was a miracle every day that they lived, and they loathed it. They had ingratitude. You see how far you could go But gratitude encourages our heart. It does the opposite effect. It makes you look at what you do have and be thankful for it. It makes you remember what you have had. And it gives you faith and hope for a future that God is good. So resulting in the complaining and the tents and rebellion. And then the next thing that fear brought to them was a loss of faith. And it resulted in discouragement in their hearts. And we go forward also then into the next thing that's in Deuteronomy 128. Talks about attention to the problem and not the promise. And the problem was that they be stronger than us. They're more than us and there's giants in the land. And when we focus on that, we cannot focus In faith, We just look at the detail and the problem. And the devil is definitely in the details in this case. They're bigger. They're stronger. Their cities are fortified. We cannot possibly beat them. We magnify the problem. And if we only look there, we can never magnify God and look at his greatness and his goodness and all that he could do. And they also jump to conclusions. If we do this, if we go here, We will die, and so will our children. All will be lost. They just knew it. They totally knew it. And so we can focus on the problem and not the promise. And when we do that, we also lose our opportunity, as in verse 41 through 46. It says, we have sinned against the Lord. They knew that they'd missed out, and they weren't going to be able to go into the land. And they brought, they brought remorse and stagnation to their lives in verse 45 and verse 46. They returned and they wept before the Lord. And they remained in Kadesh. And they did not go forward. In these moments, sometimes I find it really important that we repent of certain thoughts. And so as we close today, I'm going to ask you to have that heart. That heart of humility. It's, it's not enough to just point out something and have God put his finger on it, God requires that we respond. And the right response for a surrendered heart to God is to repent from our way, from our thinking, and to turn and to go God's way. Sometimes there is some remorse in that as well, and we might need to humble ourselves before God and say sorry to him. Say, please forgive me, Lord. I've thought wrongly about you. And so let's bow our heads one more time and we'll pray. Lord, I just pray that you show me the areas of my life where I've thought wrongly about you and where I need to repent and receive your forgiveness. And Lord, I know that when I do, you will freely forgive me and that, Lord, you will help me in this area of my life. Lord, show me where I've allowed fear to come in. Show me where my thoughts have been wrong about you. Father, have I been complaining in the tents? Have I been ungrateful? And has my ingratitude leaked out onto others? Have I stopped being grateful? Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll help me. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your power. I thank you for your strength. Lord, you are always my helper. You are the God who is near, close at hand. Lord, we just thank you for the power to go forward and possess. We thank you, Lord, that your will for us is good and perfect. And we go now, in Jesus' name, with new strength, with fresh focus, to do and to believe and to act and to live, to be the worshiping warriors that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sonia's going to come now. Can I encourage you? We'll have a prayer time at the end and maybe, oh, Sonia's going to come in a minute. We're going to sing, aren't we? Okay, sorry about that. I just want to encourage you at the end that when we have a time for prayer, you might want to maybe not come out for personal prayer, but come out for yourself. And as we open this place of prayer, maybe you want to stand or even kneel and make a fresh commitment to the Lord. I pray something has touched your heart today. In the name of Jesus. Now we're going to speak Jesus. Amen.